And I, but the same thing with Ashley, I had this idea of like, well, if you're 26 and it hasn't happened, you're a loser. And it's like, why? If I had quit because I was 26 and it hadn't happened, then it definitely wouldn't have happened when I was 30. So, you know, I mean, it's better to be a year or two off your initial hopes and dreams than to have given up forever and never make it. Is that I saw a lot of other people achieve the things that I thought were it, and then like still have to work hard. And like, it helps you realize that there's no it. Yeah, I do feel like something I'm looking back on is being like, oh, I think grit is a muscle that you have to build. Welcome to Just Go With It, a podcast by 20-somethings for 20-somethings. Fun, flirty, and keeping it real. An absolute riot these days. If it isn't over the top, it ain't us. They came out of college on top. Then life hit them in the face. Be a bit more professional, please. Couldn't shut us up then. Won't shut us up now. Here are the tips and tricks you are going to need to get through your 20s. We are getting into it. Strap yourselves in for a wild ride. Live on air. I'm Abby. And I'm Ashley. Good Lord, it's already season two. Grab a drink, take a seat, and and get ready to just go with it. Friday happy hour. We are back for another episode of Just Go With It. You guys are in luck. It's going to be a good weekend. Long weekend too at that. So on this episode, we have a guest just as promised. If you guys remember last time we promised you a guest, well, we doubled that. Doubled it and passed it to the next person. We've got two guests for you. We have Claire Parker and Ashley Hamilton of the Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Anyone who knows me, anyone who's been listening lately knows that when I go to the gym, what I love to do is on the Stairmaster, I love to listen to the Celebrity Memoir Book Club. I am a fiend for celebrities. We all are. However, a new little life hack that I unlocked the other week. You know what's exactly at 25 minutes, a perfect amount of time to Stairmaster? A episode of Sex in the City on the HBO app on your phone. Go ahead and open that up, prop it up, flies by. Great show to work your way through while you are climbing, climbing away. And so I'm so excited to have them on this episode. We chat all things comedy, all things celebrity, all things memoirs, and getting your hand, a foot into the door of either podcasting or comedy, stand-up comedy. And who knows? Maybe you'll see Abby and I at an open mic near you sometime soon based off of what they said. Seems like anybody could get up at the beginner stuff. But on this episode, we chat about all that fun stuff, and we apologize profusely for a lack of an episode last week. Abby was traveling abroad. She was studying abroad in Miami. Yeah, we had no new episode on Friday, unfortunately, a little scheduling uh, strife going on, but we did do a 20-minute little happy hour sit down with us where we talk about our different weekends, all of those fun things we did, the Super Bowl, and what was the other thing? Oh, Valentine's Day. So that is obviously on Spotify and Apple. Go ahead and give that a little listen. In case you missed our voices, we missed each other's. And if you know us as well as we think that you might, you'll know that we absolutely love reading. However, we are more fiction girlies. Let's be honest with each other. We love fiction. However, it is so good to listen to the Celebrity Memoir Book Club and get a little bite-sized, one-hour sneak peek. Not sneak peek. I don't know what I'm talking about. Full-fledged, in-depth, the detailed, second-hand account of the memoirs of some of your favorite celebrities. And they have me listening to people that I don't even really care about, if I'm being honest. They, they have me across the board listening to my favorites and the people that I have to look up to see what their photo looks like. But you're going to love this episode. It's really good. And we finally got some guests for you, which is what we've been promising. More guests in 2023. Coming off of Valentine's Day, we had a little happy hour episode, like I said, bite size these past few days. But the week before that, we did a solo episode just with the two of us. It was called Learning to Date Yourself and Living Your Best Single Life, episode 141. We're talking all about learning to love yourself. Five practical tips for taking yourself on a true solo date alone because, you know, there's no time like... <laughs> 
like time by yourself. And I think it's so important in your 20s to get to know yourself. So we talk about all of that. And then we also talk about why it's a good idea to live your best single life now. So that episode was right before Valentine's Day. We also talk about Abby's trials and tribulations of dating apps, which is why I'm so excited to bring our sponsor this week, First Rounds on Me. It is a brand new dating app, which we are obsessed with the title. As you know, we love a play on happy hour. And for the longest time, Hinge seems to be the only thing that anyone is gravitating towards. You know, who's who's touching Tinder these days? Am I right? First Rounds on Me is a brand new dating app that wants to take the hesitation out of first dates. You know, if you match with someone, you're chatting, where are we going to go out to grab drinks or dinner or whatever your activity is going to be? You're chatting, you're chatting, you're chatting so much that you're building these preconceived notions of this person before you even meet them on your first date. And it's just kind of the buildup can sometimes lead to a letdown, you know? So that's why First Rounds on takes the mystery and the buildup out of the equation. We're saying goodbye to pen pals. Sometimes you're just chatting back and forth with someone and you, you step back and you say, hold on, I've got enough friendships and I wasn't looking for a pen pal. So what am I doing? You know, how did this go from matching on a date to, so what did your parents do over a text? No one wants that, which is why first rounds on me is an excellent solution to first dating. Our sponsor first rounds on me is a new dating app for people who want to cut out the small talk and actually meet for a date in person. Here's how it works. You're going to swipe through people's profiles. And if you see someone you're interested in, you send them a date invite directly. It's simple. You just choose a drink, choose a location, choose a time, and then you're hitting send. The person will receive the date invite into their inbox on the app. They can accept the date, reject it, or suggest a new drink location time. If they accept, your date is put into a schedule for you. Here's the twist. You can only chat on the app for six hours before your date is scheduled to start. Hear that, men? You can only ask them for a total of six hours where they're from, what sport they played in high school, and who their best friend is. First Rounds on Me wants you to get out there, meet face-to-face, and make a real connection in person. You can only schedule one date per day and only up to one week in advance. Here are the benefits of First Rounds on Me, in my opinion. You don't have to wait to match with someone. You can just ask them out directly. The app makes it extremely easy to plan your first date by taking away any pressure, figuring out what to do. It is extremely user-friendly. You won't spend weeks, like I said, being a pen pal back and forth to either get ghosted, never meet, or fizzle out the talking and realize what the hell am I doing. Since you can only schedule one day per day, it forces you to be selective with who you choose and puts the value on actual connection. Also, there is a feature built in where if you decline a date with someone, they can't keep requesting you and hounding you and hounding you again and again, you know? If you're tired of small talk, pen pals, and playing games, First Round on Me is the one for you. It's now available for Android and iOS. Head over to firstroundsonme.co, that is firstroundsonme.co, and download the app, make a profile, and get yourself on some dates. They're also known as Frome, F-R-O-M-E. You can also find the link in our show notes down below. If this is your first episode listening to us, I'm Ashley. The other one is Abby, which you will hear from her during the episode, or if any any other of our 142 episodes you listen back, you'll hear more from Abby during the intro. But this is Just Go With It. We are a podcast dedicated to navigating life in your 20s, moving cities, dating, changing careers, friendships, all that good stuff. We have on guests frequently, usually some of your favorite content creators off of TikTok and Instagram and other podcast hosts. And we are so excited for you to listen to this episode. If you don't, if you do not already, go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram and TikTok. We have a lot of content coming out on there. That is linked below in the show notes. And we also have a we also have various links and discount codes for products you might love to use. 
one of one of those is the five minute journal. We had an episode a few weeks back all about journaling and we have a discount for you below on the five minute journal. I highly recommend I own it. I'm a huge fan of it and it looks great on a bookshelf as well. It doesn't look like, you know, just some ratty journal that you might have laying around from middle school or something like that. So we have something for that down below. And then we also have a link to a Google sheet that is filled with different discount codes, links, affiliate links, and everything from skincare to pet products to home decor. We have all of that for you linked down below go ahead and check that out and don't forget to subscribe to us on spotify and apple leave us a five-star review about how wonderful we are and we are endlessly appreciative and if you ever want to reach out go ahead and dm us we get ecstatic about those always we're always sending them to each other so hope you guys enjoy this episode with claire and ashley here they are Exciting. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Have you guys made it north of of 30? Did you guys make it completely through your 20s yet? Yeah, I'm 30. Ashley is 31. Okay, perfect. And did you have an impending doom right before your 30th birthday? I feel very lucky because Ashley is a year and a half older than me. And so I feel like when she was about to turn 30, we were kind of like, oh my God, 30. And I was like, you know what? Life's not so bad. I'm happy to be 30. And then I was like, oh my God. And not only am I happy to be 30, but I'm only 28. So I feel like I have a real soft launch into every next year of my life because uh-huh. I watch Ashley first. That is such a good point. I'm much younger than all of our friends. And there's a period of time where some of us are way far apart. And that's true. A soft launch into adulthood. Good. That's good. I'll keep that with me. Especially because me and Ashley have identical careers. So I'm yeah. like, if she's at a good spot career-wise for her age, then I'm really cooking. Yeah, you're good to go. Um, before we get into how you guys got started with your careers, I want to talk some comedy before we talk some celebrity. Um, I want to know if you had to give a title to the decade of your 20s, a chapter title, what would you have called it? I guess I would have called it, it's fine. <laughs> I really like just it it just is fine. Like I think that I spend a lot of time like panicking about things that I make up. And overall, I'm like everything just is fine. Like there are certain things that like in my 20s I I've gotten like a lot less obsessed with age, I think as I've gotten older just because I think I used to be very like oh my god, I'm like 25 and this isn't going well or like okay, if I'm like 27 now, if I want to like get married, at a reasonable time, then I should like find a husband this year so we can date for a certain amount of time before we get married. And then I'm like, okay, but like, who cares? It just like is fine. And I don't know, like, I feel like years are shorter and longer than you think. Like next year, all of a sudden I'm going to be like, holy shit, it's already next year. But when you think about this time last year, I'm like, oh my God, that seems like 10 decades ago. So it just there's just time. Everything's fine. And I think that that's what I would write about. I love that. It's very reassuring. Everything's fine. Nothing really, everything's temporary. Nothing really matters that much. That's what I like to tell myself. Yeah. I mean, I think Ashley is so right with the years being like, you're like, oh my God, how am I going to get all this done by next year? And then you're like, okay, but look what you got done since last year. Like last year was a different era. (laughs) Exactly. And I do feel like there's a lot of stuff where I'm like, okay, if I step back and think about like, okay, what are the deadlines being imposed? And is it by a like structure or is it by myself? Like, am I falling behind? No, I'm just like in my own little panic attack of like, well, I just wanted to have this done by the time I turned 30. But like, if 
I am 30 and five days. Will I be any different than I am at like 29 and 300 days? No, like it's just, you're just, it's all the exact same thing. And so like panicking about like, okay, I wanted to get this done by June 1st. Like why? I don't know. Get it Uh done when it gets done. (laughs) A hundred percent. Claire, what about you? What would you title it if you had to? Like on the path, maybe I think something that I've always tried to be very like grateful and feel lucky for is that I always knew what it is that I wanted to be doing. And even if I wasn't doing it, or even if I wasn't far along as I wanted to be something that I'd always try to be like, I think there's a lot of people out there who you're like, okay, if you could quit your job tomorrow and do whatever you wanted and money was no object, they might not even know what that thing would be. Or even if they do know, so somewhere like deep in the recesses of their heart, they're not ready to admit it yet. Or they're still like, even if I had all the money and all the time, I would still be too scared. So I've always tried to be like, even when things sucked dick and they definitely did, there's definitely times where I'm like, oh, every facet of my life is the worst. I felt like lucky that I always did have kind of a North star and I was always like slowly putting one foot in front of the other. And I think when I turned 30, I don't know, not that we're like the most successful people on earth, but my goal was always like, how cool would it be if like comedy paid my rent and I'm there now. And so I'm like, okay, it worked. And I, but the same thing with Ashley, I had this idea of like, well, if you're 26 and it hasn't happened, you're a loser. And it's like, why? If I had quit because I was 26 and it hadn't happened, then it definitely wouldn't have happened when I was 30. Mm -hmm. So you know, I mean, it's better to be a year or two off your initial hopes and dreams than to have given up forever and never make it. And also like the idea that like making it somebody, I was listening to a podcast the other day where they're like, what if I never make it? I'm like, what is making it? Like, when do you think you'll cross a finish line when yeah. you're dead? Like, no, like today I am doing the thing I like and it's working out right now. I feel like there can, you can't think about it as like, will I make it or not? It's like, is it going okay right now? Am I on the path right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that especially in creative fields, I think one of the things I'm grateful for about having been in it for a long time before I saw any version of success is that I saw a lot of other people achieve the things that I thought were it and then like still have to work hard. And like, it helps you realize that there's no it. Like, I think that if I was like 20, I mean, I started comedy when I was 23 or 24. And I think that if by 25, like really great things were happening for me, like we see this in memoirs all the time where people who have like get a TV role or something like right when they start in Hollywood, they'll have like a year where they're not getting anything. And they'll be like, well, I might as well quit because if a year goes by and nothing goes well for me, then I should just stop. Whereas someone who spent like five years or like 10 years trying if they have like a one-year lull, they're like, oh yeah, that's nothing compared to the 10. And now I have like the background of like the other things I've accomplished. So I feel like realizing that every single thing is just like a notch up the ladder instead of thinking that you're just like there or not there has like been very helpful. And I don't know that I would have known it if any success had come early. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. hundred Grind and repeat. Just keep it going. Yeah, I do feel like something I'm looking back on is being like, oh, I think grit is a muscle that you have to build. And Mm -hmm. even if you feel like you're, because me and Ashley, we always say like, this is our third or fourth podcast, depending on who you ask. I say four, Ashley says three, but there was a lot of failures in there. And part of me is like, oh, what if we had come up with this concept first? Or what if TikTok had been around then? I do think even the years you're failing, if you didn't quit, you're developing grit. And that is just as important as anything else, because there is no over the hump, unless you're, Meryl Streep or Leonardo DiCaprio I don't think there is any individual on earth who's Mm -hmm. at a plateau that they can't ever fall below again yeah it's just as important as everything else to know how to like persevere and even 
Even Leonardo DiCaprio, has he even won his Oscar yet? Did he just win one? Yeah. He has a long way to go. (laughs) Yeah. He got his one and he's someone who will like always be in the zeitgeist. Like he's come over a hump where you're like, okay, we're always going to like know who Leonardo DiCaprio is. But there are so many other people that like, I mean, especially working in like celebrity memoirs and people like, I don't know, you'll like hear a random name where you'll be like, oh my God, that person was like the center of my world Mm -hmm. for a year. And then I haven't heard of them since. And it's because like, I don't know, people come and go. There's no, Mm -hmm. there really is no top of the mountain or there is a top of the mountain, but like reaching it, I don't even think is that good for most people because you like, like, there's no, I don't know. I feel like you can, you just have to keep on working and like finding what you want to work towards instead of like thinking that it's going to be like a level of external validation that like makes it all worth it. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious when you guys are talking about your journey and developing grit and getting to where you are today, I kind of want like a spark notes version of like who you were before. And like, did you always have a clear idea in mind? I know Claire, you said that you had sort of a North star and you kind of wanted to know, like you wanted to have certain goals accomplished by certain ages, but In terms of who you were before, like, you know, the celebrity memoir podcasters you are now, kind of give me like a little version of that path that it took you to get there. Because I think that's really important for people to hear, especially in creative fields. For me, so I started stand up after I graduated college. So I was like 22 when I started. And there wasn't even, it really was like a lot of just toiling. <laughs> like there was no mid steps almost. Like me and Ashley met, I guess, when I was 24, 25, but I was doing stand up for a really long time. Like I still do stand up, but back in the day, like that was my primary hustle. I don't know if somebody wanted, and then like whatever came out of that community. So if I was in somebody's like dumb sketch that got put on Instagram or I don't know, I was always doing little things like trying to be a guest on podcasts every now and then, just trying to get booked on bar shows. I don't know that any of that, like it was amounting towards anything really, but it was about like building the community and meeting people. And I do feel like mm-hmm. honing the skill of stand up. And then me and Ashley met and we had a podcast that nobody listened to. And we did that for a year. And then we had a second podcast that nobody listened to. And we did that for another year. And then CMBC, we started September, 2020. And I quit my day job, June, 2021. And we were making, we had not made any money yet. But I was like, I could see that this is like building towards something. And when I look back at the number that we were at, when I quit my job being like, well, this is <sighs> it. It was like nothing. We had like almost no true, like we didn't have enough to get ads. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, And it would be, we like had to triple before we were even in consideration to get one single ad. And I think that first ad we got was like $400 and clearly $400 once cannot sustain two adults <laughs> living in New York City. <laughs> so it was very... And then CNBC has really been taking off. And because of that, we're able to do live shows and like, hopefully we'll be able to build on that. But even so, like I always say, I feel like I turned 30 and I got to the starting line of stand-up, if that makes Mm. sense. Like I felt like for years, I was like in the corrals, just kind of like spinning my wheels, trying to even figure out what my direction was, how I was going to pursue it. Like it was a lot of like planting seeds. And for the first time this year, I'm like, oh, okay. And now the race starts. Like now we're in the game. But it took like a decade almost to even feel like I was in the game. But you also said that you needed to develop grit, true grit. That gave you the true grit you needed. Yeah. Can I just say I applaud comedians so much and like the act of stand up, like nothing seems scarier to me in the whole world than getting up in front of a group of people and trying to make them laugh. And they're all just like staring at you. Like that is an incredible feat that people can even like have the 
the braveness to even like go up and do that. Like that's the scariest thing in the world to me. So what I will tell people if anyone's listening to this and wants to do stand up and has that same fear is no one's like, listening. You start stand up, no one's listening. Like you do not start at Madison Square Garden to a room full of people patiently waiting to hear your next joke. That is actually the easiest crowd in the world. The easiest crowd in the world is a group of 200 people who want to laugh. When you start, you do open mics, which is rooms filled of only other comedians. And when you watch them go up first, you'll watch them bomb their dicks off. And they're none of them are funny. They suck so bad. They're having mental breakdowns. And when you get up, you go, oh, I'm not really performing to people waiting to hear me. One, they're not listening. They're thinking about themselves and on their phones. And then two, you've just watched them all bomb. So you're not going to do worse than everybody else. Well, that's not true. When I started, I like would do stand up amongst people who were all laughing for each other, but they didn't know me yet. That's the the thing is nobody remembers you. Nobody cares. Nobody remembers you. Nobody cares. If you want to try stand up one or two times, you can go and no one in that room, if you never go again, will remember that you ever existed. They will never, ever recall that one girl who showed up one time because they're all doing it every single day. They see each other all the time. It takes like a month or so to get on a month or so of doing it very consistently, like five to seven days a week before people in that room will start being like, oh, I've seen her before. Like she's really working on stuff. Like, I mean, think about like, if you work at a coffee shop, if someone comes in once, you're like, yeah, why would I remember that? But if someone comes in every single morning, eventually you're like, oh yeah, I know this customer. They're a regular. It like takes a while before anyone even registers that they recognize you. Then it takes a little bit longer after that before they start listening to a goddamn word out of your mouth. Like it, here's a proof someone I was a few years ago. I remember seeing this Facebook status where this guy was like, once I watched this guy do this awful joke about X, Y, Z. And he was like, had a Facebook status making fun of some open micer and a guy in their comments was like, Hey, that was me. And it was like somebody he was good friends with. So it was like, he like remembered the joke, but didn't even remember that it was like somebody that was his colleague and friend. So it just goes to show you that nobody's listening. Nobody remembers. Nobody gives a shit. And they all suck too. And they all suck too. If they weren't, if they had careers in comedy, they wouldn't be at that open mic too. Like they wouldn't be at the open mic that a first timer is also like, that's the thing is I used to be like, oh my God, at open mics, there's such a hierarchy. Like these people are stars and I'm just like at the bottom of the barrel. And then you come to realize the longer you do stand up, you're like, all right, there are three total levels of stand up. There's not this like hierarchy, like the hierarchy within each little, like, like what's it called? Like a nook of stand up is completely made up. It's like the same as in high school, you know, when you're mm-hmm. like in high school, you're just like, oh my God, those people are so much cooler than me. I can't possibly sit with them. Like, they run everything. And if they decide something's uncool, then it just is uncool. And then you get out of high school and you're like, I cared what fucking Sarah thought about shoes. Literally why? <laughs> and can anybody show up to open mic night, Abby? Yes. Anybody I mean, can show I started, up. Me and Ashley both have stories back in the day. I feel like it's a bit, I don't know if gentrified is the right word now, but it's definitely like NYU improv teamed. But when we both started, it truly was like something for homeless people to fill their afternoons doing. Like I used to get up there with people who like lived on the corner and it was like me, him, and then like a guy from Harvard who wrote for the Lampoon, like the funniest person you've ever seen who might be a genius who like dropped out of middle school. Like it is like heroin addicts. Like it's just <laughs> you and everybody. There is no barrier to entry except for can you write your name on a piece of paper? That's all it takes Abby? to get for the bit, it could be funny if we workshop some stuff. <laughs> it could be funny. I mean, you it is something that literally anyone could try. And like, there's no skin off your back to just like dedicate one day to like one night, one, like a couple of hours. 
And yeah, I mean, the places that me and Claire used to do stand up. So I actually started in Los Angeles and I did three years there before I moved to New York. And we both, I mean, the places that we used to do comedy, I, there are like condemned buildings that I used to frequent <laughs> to. No, you don't even know. I used to. Do- no, Claire, it was literally raided by a SWAT team. Okay. Well, what about the place in Williamsburg that was in um, a janitor's closet underneath a bar? It was literally like a basement where they had like you, it was you and the electrical supplies. Okay. And I used to host shut down by the- an open mic <laughs> where someone got stabbed out front and then came into the open mic and <laughs> asked for help. And then the person on stage, like didn't want to lose their time. And I like from my like host seat had to be like, Hey, I'll let you restart your set after we handle the stabbed guy. The stabbed, the stabbing victim. Let's, it's like, hey, listen, if this guy takes up your set with his being stabbedness, I'll let you start over. <laughs> okay. There was a creek in a, ca- a cave guy. He used to regularly go to the creek in the cave. And it turned out that he had beheaded his own mom and left her head in the freezer of his house in Virginia. And he was a regular there. And they found him because when the mom went missing, the siblings were like, well, check our brother's house. We bet he beheaded her. And they were like, it wasn't like a surprise. They were like, he's the type of guy to do this. And he was one of us. (laughs) He was like a person we walked amongst. And yeah, you guys, the Creek in the Cave was this venue in Long Island City. And like, like, I don't even want to be like, oh, it was this venue in Queens and like make it seem like it was like, it was in a nice area of Queens. It was just the worst building in a nice area in Queens I missed it every day it was I know and the basement the basement room had open mics every day and it was constantly there was just water on the floor like the the air conditioner something in the place leaked so there would just be like a little it was a creek in the cave it was there was a pool of water on the floor at all times and it just like smelled wrong and now it's like, I think a pretty nice venue in Texas. They like got investors and were like, let's just shut down. This. Yeah, I think Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan runs it. Yeah. At the very least, this provides a lot of um, comedic value to everything, especially the beheading, the beheading victim. You can run with that yeah. for, for miles. It really does. And it is one of those things where you're like, I don't know, it's kind of, it's crazy, but for people that like want to do stand up, I'm like, anyone can do it. Mm-hmm. And it is, you're in there being like, and who among us will make it? It could be any of us equally. <laughs> like, literally. One, one of us might make it to prison, but uh, some, yeah. someone's got to make it. Speaking of going through a little bit of a rough time in your 20s, boy, do we have something for you. If you know us at all, you know that Abby is always pumping iron in the gym and that I am not doing that. I'm more of a cardio girl like in The Princess Diaries where she says she's more of a horseback riding, rock climbing, tennis playing type of girl. However, we found something that we love for both of us when it comes to working out. First Form has an app which you can download in the link below. It comes with a free personal trainer, a free nutritionist, nutrition meal plans, competitions where you can win gift cards and rewards just for exercising. And it is completely customizable. I downloaded it a few weeks ago. Loved it. You put in your goals. You put in what you're currently at right now. Do you want to lose weight, gain weight, maintain the same weight? Do you want to get better at lifting, running, X, Y, and Z? And then they assign you someone to work personally with you to best suit your needs, which that is linked below. We have a discount for you guys as well as 
has a link to the First Form website, which has a ton of workout attire, supplements, vitamins. If you follow Abby on TikTok, you'll know she's been loving her meat sticks or her protein meat sticks. No more Slim Jims from the local gas station. But uh, there's all kinds of good products for you on there, and we've got a discount for you as well. If you want to just chat with us personally about it, feel free to. Or you can also send them an email and they will assign someone to chat with you all about that. But first form, it is linked below in the show notes. It's also in our link tree. If you follow us on social media, go ahead and give that a look. So you said that you had a few failed podcasts. So what were they and how did you come up with the concept for this one? And why do you think this one's a success? Well, okay. So first we started with, hold on one second. We're talking about Britney Spears, a podcast that was about Britney Spears. We would just like kind of move through her discography and discuss you would think it. That and would be a hit. It, we thought it was a hit. When we look at numbers now, we're like, oh my God, no one listened to that. But we thought it was like we very successful. Act, I never thought it was. I thought hit. it was. We had, we th- no. we had one episode that got a thousand listens and we were like, well, this is it. Ashley was like writing to advertisers. <laughs> even that was like a fluke episode and now that I look back we were on SoundCloud and now we know that SoundCloud gets like hacked a lot and you get fake listens on there so you can't actually count SoundCloud listens yeah anyway not IAB certified and I feel like SoundCloud (laughs) is just boys pumping iron like listening to (laughs) yeah some mixed stuff so then we did so we ended that when the conservatorship information like not when any of the resolution happened like in like 20 18 when people were like there was rumblings of the fact that she might be in a conservatorship and the free britney movement was like a hundred people standing on the corner with posters we were like it feels unethical to even look into this i don't want to like this is odd scary it's dangerous and so we stopped because we felt like it wasn't good to speculate about her life and it wasn't funny so then we started we're in a fight with claire and ashley which was a podcast about like, we wanted it to be about female friendship and the fact that we argued and that women can argue and it's not about boys and it's not catty. It's like women argue like siblings and friendship is a lot more complicated than relationships. Cause it's not like you're in one or you're not in one friendship is a lot more ambiguous, but we were not qualified to handle that topic. It was too broad. We didn't really know how to talk about it. We just fought with each other constantly. And then we were like, <laughs> okay, on there and fighting. sounds like a marriage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then we were like, all right, we need to figure out a way to like talk about a subject that isn't us, that is fun, but we don't want to have like a situation like the Britney Spears thing again, where we're talking about pop culture, but it's all very like ambiguous. And it feels like we're digging through some like potentially very tumultuous information. And there were a couple of memoirs that had just been released and announced. Um, Jessica Simpson just came out with a memoir. Mariah Carey announced that she was working on a memoir. And we were like, oh, celebrity memoirs that's we consider it like the ethical consumption of pop culture because they're co-signing the information they're like we're not digging for it we're not like rummaging through your trash this is what you wanted out there and this is your version of the story so we decided to do it then there was a pandemic so we were like oh best not to start a podcast in the middle of a pandemic and then we were like oh the pandemic will never end I guess we'll start a podcast in the middle of a pandemic and and here we are. And there you are. And was it a sensation overnight or do you attribute that mostly to no. TikTok? TikTok. I mean, even like a lot of our growth comes from TikTok, but even that isn't overnight. Like, as I said, I quit my job in June, 2021, thinking that like, oh, we had made it. And that was, I guess, what, like a year and a half ago. And we're probably at like 20X the listenership we had then. And it is like a real slow and steady, like with every big episode that like gets above average listens, we take, we keep a small percentage of those people who stick with us. 
And people are always going to stop listening. I think like a fact that was really eye-opening to us is in our Spotify statistics, I think we grew like 700 times in from 2021 to 2022, but only 47% of the people who listened in 2021 kept listening in 2022. So it just goes to show you, we lost half of our listenership and still grew, however, like 7X, you know what I mean? So it is like, there's going to be a constant influx of people who learn about you, binge you, get obsessed, sign up for the Patreon. And then there's like, you say something that, and then they fall off. A constant outflux yeah. of people who just kind of get sick of your voice or whatever. Yeah, that's what I meant. It's like, so they come, they get obsessed and then you're going to lose them. And you just have to like that's be okay so with the fact thing. that, yeah, as long as you're like growing faster than you're losing, you, you will always be losing. Yeah. And that's just <laughs> what it is. <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah. I never realized that I don't listen to the same podcast at all that I did X amount of years ago whatsoever. Yeah. And it, they don't I mean, even end. You just sometimes you're like, oh, I don't know. It's just, I'm not like, suddenly I'm not that excited to listen mm-hmm. to it. And you just fall off. A hundred percent. Before we get into all the celebrity stuff, I want to ask you real quick about your theory that I heard on an episode that if you, I th- it might've been related to Chris Jenner, that if you don't have a, tumultuous love as a teenager it's going to manifest later as an adult oh that oh, was Mariah, Mariah Carey oh, but Mariah I think Carey. we brought it up in Kris Jenner again because Kris Jenner kind of had it again well she got married at like 17 exactly. she married Robert Kardashian like straight out of high school I love or something. this topic because Ashley's brought this up to me before and we are both opposite ends of the spectrum like, I have all the tumultuous loves back to back and she's never been in a relationship yet so we have like mm-hmm. two completely opposite perspectives on this yeah. Oh my God, wait, what are your, pr- yeah. Our theory is just that like at some point in your life, most women are going to have a guy who sucks. So it's almost better to get it out of your system early because like it will be in your system. And so if you can like get out of that relationship, learn from it and move on, you're safe in adulthood. Whereas if you didn't go through it and it comes up when you're 24, 25, 30, it's worse. Cause then you might marry them and have a kid. And so it's like better to like learn your lessons earlier. And I feel like that's our general idea is that it's hard to know your worth. It's easy to get wrapped up in those relationships where you start like letting your self-confidence get shipped at. It's easy to like get caught up in the red flags and start making excuses. Yeah. But the more you get stuck in those as an adult, the worse it is. But what are your opinions? I kind of agree with that because I'm someone who like I've had boyfriends since I was 14, like here and there. And just, I've dated around a lot and I just like love doing that because I learned so much about relationships and myself. And I feel like I've grown so much through that. And I truly like can't even fathom, like, I know there's so many other ways to grow outside of romantic relationships, but like if my first romantic relationship was when I was 25, I would just be like, I don't even know how would I would approach it. Like I have no previous experience. And so it's like, kind of like, that's what would, would be Ashley's situation. So it's like, I don't know if you have a completely different perspective than me, but I can't even fathom that. You've been dating since the moment you were literally able to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you were a kid. Um, um, I, no, I agree with you. I know that it's going to manifest in a poor way. I'm sure. I completely agree. I'm just living the opposite of you. Where what's the what's your truth? What's your reality? That I haven't had a serious adult like relationship. And I know that it's gonna manifest later, I'm sure, but I'm sure it'll just be a quick fling. But at the same time, I'm sure you can remind me of this later. I feel like I'm self-aware enough to not let red flags tromp all over me, you know? I guess it it like for me, I feel like it came in like kind of like a downtrodden moment in time when I was just like sick of dating I was like I hadn't been in a serious relationship in a couple of years 
And then I just like started dating this guy that I like probably normally would never have even gone on one date with. But then he like just kept pursuing me and I like liked being pursued because it had been like kind of a while since I like, I don't know, like dating in New York or like dating in the modern day. So many people are like so passive and lazy about it that the fact that this guy like was trying, I was like, whatever, I'll go for it. And then we dated and like, just as we like, and I kept, I don't know, like it just kind of chips away at you. It like catches you in a moment and then you just have to like get out and be like, okay, lesson learned. I get it now. And don't marry them. Cause I have a friend who I feel like it was a very similar situation where we were both like, she was also, you know, dating very actively for a very long time and just nothing was going her way. And then she like met a guy who chased her, who like really pursued her. And even though he would like act like an absolute fucking asshole and like a psycho, he would afterwards be like, I'm so sorry. I don't want to lose you. And she'd be like, okay. And now they're married. Go on, say her name. Who is it? (laughs) Call her out. I know. I think I've said it on the Patreon before. (laughs) You have to pay to get the information out of you. With anything, I could see it being ruining a good thing over someone silly that like means nothing. Kind of like Kris Jenner and the pool boy or whoever she had an affair with. Yeah. I don't know that she had a good thing though. That's I don't think you ruined true, yeah. a good thing over the pool boy. Yeah. I think it's a thing that you're like finally call the ruse of your life mm. over the pool boy. You know what I mean? If everybody thinks, oh, how could you have fucked up such a good thing? Then it probably wasn't it a good was thing never a good in thing. your heart. That's so true. Yeah. Or it was, but it had fallen. Like off. if it was I mean? so like, good, you wouldn't have fucked it up, probably. There's like yeah. what are the holes that were there? Yeah, I feel like was it a fuck up or was it like a lily pad? Was it like a an explosion? Yeah. I know I have a friend who is very back-to-back boyfriend. And when she needs to, and she's very like non-confrontational. And whenever she needs to get out of the relationship, she will like hook up with someone else because then she's like, well, no, I have to break up with them because I've cheated. And then she like moves on. And she's done it like three or four times. And I do think it's because she doesn't know how to break up with anybody, but so she has to like make herself feel guilty enough that now, okay, there's no going back. Oh God. Um, Abby, <laughs> no, not necessarily the path I would choose. I'm a very confrontational person, so that I don't have any issue having those hard conversations. Like, obviously, it sucks, but like, I don't know. I don't know that I could live with like. I don't know that that's like the best way. To yeah, go no, I'm it. not saying something. No, I don't but think that's I'm really funny. That's actually hilarious that that's what she does. Yeah, you got to figure out. Everyone's working with what they got. Yeah. So a little bit, let's get into some celeb stuff now. Who is, I'll just start with like, if you could have dinner with any celebrity that you've read their memoir, who's it going to be? I think Drew Barrymore, maybe. I love her. Yeah. Gabrielle Union. I would say like Drew Barrymore, Gabrielle. Oh, Molly Shannon, maybe for me. I love Molly Shannon. The thing about there's certain celebrities that I love, but I don't know what I'd say to them at dinner. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, what would I say to Molly Shannon? I feel like I'd be nervous. I feel I'd like- I'd be nervous, but I think it would get, I think we could, it would just be like silly. Like, we would, it would just be like a fun dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would feel too much pressure to be silly and act weird. Do you know what I mean? I feel like, like I Drew Barrymore, I, wish- I would like yeah. feel too much pressure to like reflect and I would cry. <laughs> I think that that would be good though. I don't want to, I want to be silly. Yeah. Um, who is, or what are your thoughts on, um, lately, I'm just going to name some ones that like came out, but Ginger Duggar, did you read her memoir? Kind of. Okay. What went wrong with that? I know that people were disappointed by it. Yeah, we read it and then we were like, this can't be an episode. There's nothing here to even talk about. 
Um, the PR team she has has done a good job of spinning it. Like she's finally speaking out against her family and her upbringing. And she does sort of break out against the church she was raised in, but only because she has like a new church to offer you. And so we were saying that somebody who went from like one cult to another cult, she specifically does not say a negative word about her parents. She's like, they're perfect. She barely re- uh, acknowledges her brother. I think maybe if you love that show and you're like really in deep there, it'd be interesting to you. But I have to say as two people who never watched the show, like there wasn't a lot to go on. It's still just like a brainwashed person. Oh, yeah. interesting. Because I grew up on it. Huh. Yeah. So you were saying you read that and there wasn't enough tea to really make an episode about it. So I'm curious, like in all your experience, what makes a good memoir and what makes a bad memoir? I mean, it wasn't even there wasn't tea. There like wasn't plot. Like there wasn't a story at all. Like you don't even have to like really spill secrets in order to make a good memoir, but you have to talk about yourself. Like it has to be personal. And her book was so not personal. It was so like, I grew up in a church that believed XYZ. And now I'm a part of a church that believes ABC. And you're like, but what do like, what do you think? Like what, there's no like personal journey at all. Like it doesn't even have to be, I mean, a good memoir I think is reflective, but it, for us to cover it, it doesn't even have to be reflective. We just need a story to follow. And there was no story other than like the story of the Bible. And I'm like, I don't really want to do that. (laughs) It's almost like she's just handing you an outline of the two churches that she belonged to with no, no thought behind those eyes. Yeah. It was a Bible study. So she would give you like a verse of the Bible. And be like, my old pastor interpreted it this way, but my new pastor, who's her husband, interprets oh, it this way. Interesting. Yeah, that ain't, that ain't gonna work a little thing. Yeah, there's like a, t- a couple little tiny things, but for the most part, it wasn't enough for us to do an episode yeah, on it. Yeah, I think we figured out a couple different, like, kind of not necessarily binaries, but like little measures of what makes a good memoir versus a bad memoir. I think one mm-hmm. of them is when you have like a story that you're itching to tell people um like here's how I don't know like like someone the other day asked us on TikTok like how is Jeanette McCurdy's book different than Lily Collins's book like if you like Jeanette and you hated Lily Collins and they both were like 30 when they wrote it I'm like well there's a huge difference Jeanette was telling like the start middle and end of like the journey she had with her mom through like child Uh stardom and her mom is dead so there is an end to that story and then I mean also it's so funny because like people like there's artistry to writing the yeah. way that people are so disrespectful to artists or to writers you could have the exact same plot and give it to 10 different people and one of those books is going to be good and one of those books is going to be bad mm-hmm. it's not necessarily just like and I think with Madison Beer coming out with a memoir I've seen people defend her and be like well she's lived through things and living through things is not enough like if that were true, every single person who had been through war, every single person who had been through divorce, every single person on earth would have a memoir. Have a me- you know what I mean, like everyone's lived through something. That's not yeah. all it takes. Yeah. Do you think there's anyone out there, any celebrity that is not using a co-writer, ghostwriter? Do you think there's anyone who um, literally sits down and puts pen to paper? Yes, but I also don't think there's anything wrong with using a ghostwriter. I think writing is such a like difficult skill and writing long form is so hard. Keeping someone engaged over the course of 300 pages is like not something that you should just be able to do because you decide to do it tomorrow. Like even if you've lived a life, if you say like, okay, I'm going to sit down and like write my memoir if you've not spent like years working on writing, it's not going to come out good, even if your story itself is good. So I think if you have a story that you want to tell, like teaming up with someone who you like mesh with and can do a good job helping you structure and build that story so that it's very readable 
is the smart thing to do, you know? I mean, I have a friend right now who's writing a memoir and it was supposed to be kind of like an inner, I don't know, it's shifted. Her name is Cece. She's doing it about her time in big law. And even talking to her the other day, she's like, I don't know if I want to write it in present tense, in past tense. I don't know where I want. If it is in present tense, that means you have to pick a moment in time where Mm -hmm. this is the moment that we enter the scene. And then everything before that has passed and everything after like decisions like that, which seem you wouldn't realize how difficult a decision like that is and how to structure it. Those are things that you work on over time. And if you are somebody who is spending 16 hours on set on a TV show, mm-hmm. you don't really have time to sit down and suss that out. So I think the most shocking thing is that comedians don't write their own books because you're like, well, they're writers and it's their right. stories. But when you think about when they write their books, like a Tina Fey and Amy Schumer, Tiffany Haddish, they're all at the tops of their careers when they write them. If you're doing a movie, a TV show, a tour, Etc. You don't actually have time to sit down and spend a year writing. A yeah, book, pen to paper. That's interesting, huh? I never thought about that. I or I didn't think about that with the comedians that they're actually having to toil away writing, obviously all day long comedy. So who the heck is going to write their book? Yeah, like if you're writing a TV show, acting on a TV show, uh-huh. like touring. When are you sitting down to write? <laughs> yeah. Do you guys ever have you guys ever shot for the stars and had any of the authors, quote unquote authors of the books, as guests on your podcast? I don't think we even want that, okay. honestly, because our whole thing is that we're being honest. Heather Gay. So we're coming out with Heather Gay's next Tuesday. Okay. And she DM'd us and said, can I like send you my book? And we were like, totally. And we didn't like her book. And we had to be like, sorry, Heather, I hope you're not listening. But I don't really want, I like yeah, being, true. I like being a res- someone that you can trust. Yeah, we had source of news. like Courtney Robertson, who was like a former mm-hmm. Bachelor contestant on um, like a long time ago. And that that was like a fun Thing to do and I liked her like she was very sweet and we liked her book so it just happened to work out that we had a connection to her but overall I would say it's not even something we really aim for because we're talking about like the way I don't know I think people have like a real strong ability to adjust with like body language and questioning like mm-hmm. I want to read what they like really thought about and put on paper and then be honest about it mm-hmm. yeah I didn't realize you lose the candid quality if you bring on someone else um with to close this out is there's one memoir that you think everybody should read what are both of your picks that's we both have danny trejo oh yeah really good that's like somebody who reflects and looks i love cicely dave uh cicely tyson was great uh elvira was great anybody older who actually oh i think like an older person's memoir is better gabrielle unions had a lot of like best friend older sister like advice-iness to it okay Noted. I will be hitting the library then. Okay. Thank you so much, Ashley and Claire, for chatting with us. This was really fun. And do you want to promote yourselves at all? Um, Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Everything's good. Everything is good. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, you guys. 